You are listening to the Empowering Business DFW Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Austin. This episode is sponsored by Link. Are you someone who passes out a ton of business cards expecting a follow-up? With traditional business cards, as many of you know, they get lost. We are changing the way that we connect with new people. This easy to use product is great for anyone. Link offers a line of products that let you share information instantly with the people you meet. You can build a page that contains your contact information, website, social media links, photos, videos, appointment scheduling, custom forms, and more. All shareable with just one tap of this smart device. It's an unlimited use business card that you could change over time. The possibilities are endless. As an added bonus, if you purchase using promo code EMPOWERINGBUSINESSDFW, you will receive 15% off your entire order. Check the link in the show notes for more details. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Empowering Business DFW podcast. Hope everyone is doing well so far. I have the pleasure today of interviewing Missy Mitchell McBeth. She is the owner of Safe Iron LLC, and she's also the head strength and conditioning coach at Byron Nelson here in Trophy Club in the DFW area. So, Missy, thank you for joining me today. I'm super excited you're here. Absolutely. I really appreciate you having me on. Let's just start off with a little introduction about you. Okay. Um, I started my career as a high school volleyball coach. Um, I was a volleyball player growing up, which is kind of how I got into the weight room. I was undersized. I was just an average athlete. And so I wanted to find a way to make myself better. Um, so I kind of got a help, got some help from my high school coach. Um, and that kind of set my career path, but didn't really realize that strength and conditioning was an option. Um, so like I said, start off coaching volleyball eventually decided to do strength and conditioning full-time. So um, I interned at TCU. I was hired on full-time and I was there for seven years. Um, And then at that point, I found the opportunity at Byron Nelson um, just to give me a little bit more work-life balance. Um, And I've been there for five years. So kind of the next evolution for me um, is heading more into coach education. So that's why I started Safe Iron. Um, outside of that, I play beach volleyball still. Um, I'm married and we have two dogs. So that's, that's awesome. The well, I'm sure throughout this time of COVID, you probably spent a lot of time at home and, and trying to maneuver through all of this. So one question I do have about strength and conditioning coaching, right? Just in general, like what is a common misconception that your industry may see just from people from the outside looking in? So a common misconception is that the goal of training is to make athletes tired. The goal of training is to elicit a very specific physiological adaptation. And in most cases, they actually need to be really fresh to get those adaptations. So that old, you know, concept of the weight room with trash cans set out and kids throwing up and it just being about toughness and that kind of stuff um, is really not uh, the aim of the industry. Well, I remember, you know, early middle school and high school days where the gyms weren't, I guess you would say as up to date as they are now. And you walk in into some of these schools. um, And I think I heard you were talking on on Coach Noonan's podcast about your setup and the way that you have everything going. I mean, what has the evolution been of just the typical weight room, going back to what you said about the, the trash cans and the kids throwing up to what is evolved into now? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that strength and conditioning is now seen as something that's not just for football. It's something that all athletes need. 
Um, and so our facilities have caught up. So we understand that like at our school, we've got about 600 athletes. We have two weight rooms that have to get all the 600 athletes through at least two days a week. Um, so facilities have grown in size um, as new schools are built. Obviously, they're now air conditioned um, where, you know, the first job that I started out in at Copper's Cove, like we had a field house, it was unair conditioned. It was just a sweat box. And now you have a lot more up to date facilities. What hasn't quite caught up is, you know, we all know we need to be doing strength and conditioning. We just don't have the educational background with coaches um, to necessarily utilize those big, beautiful rooms like they should. Yeah, I think that's maybe one thing, you know, as a coach in bringing someone like you in. So would you say that for Safe Iron, the ideal client or customer, so are you selling directly your services to coaches in high schools or is that completely separate from what you're doing? So um, my role at Byron Nelson is completely separate from Safe Iron. Um, Safe Iron is what I do on the side, but yes, I go into schools that don't have a full-time strength coach such as myself. And I create a custom program um, based on their equipment, their facility, how much time they have. Um, I go in and watch their athletes do a workout to kind of see the personnel um, that I'm working with. I talk to their coaches about their goals. Sometimes um, they'll have a cultural element, you know, in their team program that I still, I don't want them to completely lose the identity of their program, um, but I still want them to be doing the right thing. And then it's also providing education via video, via, you know, just making myself available to the coaches um, because it doesn't matter what I have on paper. It doesn't matter how good that is if the coaches aren't able to execute that properly. Yeah. And I think I heard you talk about this on a previous podcast that head strength and conditioning coaches aren't a common thing, right? Especially where you are at Byron Nelson. Is there a reason behind that? I mean, what's the, what the reasoning that not every school has one. Um, I think some of that is just, number one, there is a movement towards getting more strength and conditioning coaches. Um, the main, for myself, I don't teach any classes. I'm just the strength coach. And so right there um, from a budget standpoint, you know, if a district doesn't see the value in it, which you know, for some districts, they look at it as, you know, we have this football coach and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, Peter is the football coach that works their weight room at Hendrickson and does a really good job, but they look at that as we already have people acting in this role. Why do we want to spend money to pay for another one? Um, and so what school districts need to understand is that the liability behind not having one actually outweighs the expense of having one. Um, and then also the, you know, tremendous other benefits that we offer. But I think that that's number one is just they see that the role is already being fulfilled, um, whether it's being fulfilled well or not, they don't. Um, a common problem in strength and conditioning is that our evaluators don't know how to evaluate us because they don't really know what they're looking at. And so, you know, someone in district admin may walk into a room and be like, this is great, when in reality, it's, it's not good and needs a lot of improvement. Um, but there's just not enough knowledge out there um, for them to see that in certain cases. I think, you know, when it's a coach worried about whether it's football season or whatever, their, their main focus is maybe getting their plays down and getting their team ready and the small stuff, which would be the strength and conditioning portion is, is a, one of those big pieces of the puzzle that you got to fit in correctly. And I remember, you know, I've had a lot of injuries growing up and, and it was one of those, like I didn't have the right muscles to, to offset the, the other muscles to where those injuries really happen. And I think had I known more back then, maybe I wouldn't have four or five surgeries later on the same knee, you know what I mean? So 
Yeah. And you're kind of touching on like where I kind of came to this business idea. And that's that coaches, they wear so many hats. They're expected to coach not just their sport, but also a second sport, which may mean learning something completely different that they've never played, never done. Then on top of it, they're in the classroom and they may have two, you know, two classroom preps. Now on top of it, we're asking them to take on what is a specialty career, which is strength and conditioning. And as you said, if something's going to fall by the wayside, um, it might just be the strength and conditioning uh, aspect of it. And the other piece of it is there's so much information out there and the strength and conditioning industry itself has done a really good job of marketing how it's impossible for coaches to learn and they really, really need us. When the reality is, is that there are simple things that a sport coach can do um, to effectively implement and safely implement uh, strength training with their athletes. Well, I think there's so much information out there that, you know, even as a coach, if they were to, to try to do all of those things, there are just so many different, I guess I would say opinions out there, right. On, on what's right, what's wrong, do this, don't do this. You know, what is, what is one piece of information that, that should be common across the board that every coach or even an individual should look at when it comes to strength and conditioning? Um, that it should be technique over weight in all circumstances. Um, and that's really the idea behind the curriculum that I have for coaches is that we're using a simple progression to get from point A to point B versus the old mentality of let's get these kids under a bar. Let's first work on their technique with body weight and then small amounts of weights and progress them up until they can safely do that. Because certainly the name of the game is getting stronger. Um, but I think that all coaches need to understand that there are steps along the way to get there. Um, and that really what we're, the weight room is not specific to anything. Like you hear the term sports specificity thrown around. Um, I follow like a 90, 10 philosophy where 90% of things in a training program are going to be the same or the same qualities. 10% is going to be different. Um, so yeah, like coaches just need to understand that we need to be worrying about athletic movements versus you know, the maxes and the, right. of, of their basic lifts. Well, let's, let's shift over to, to really focus on safe iron. Cause this, you know, this is a business podcast. So I want to make sure I get a lot of value and kind of pick your brain on, on what you've been through starting this side hustle uh, now turned full-time business. Let's just talk about your mission statement. I know you've kind of, you know, sprinkled a few breadcrumbs about your business, but let's talk about what is your mission statement with safe iron? Um, the slogan is, every coach educated, every athlete safe. Um, and kind of like, I can give you the flowery, um, you know, well-written business statement or mission statement, but I'll just relate it to, uh, we were talking before we started recording about Twitter. Um, yesterday, a tweet came out and it was a football coach standing in his weight room, showing the athletes, the trash cans that were set out for the death by squat workout the next day. Um, and you see in the summer, you see athletes, unfortunately pass away or athletes that, you know, get very seriously injured. And so my mission statement is to put simple information in the hands of coaches so that they're able to execute programming with their athletes in a safe and effective manner. Well, I think going back to what you said earlier, it's, a, it's, it's one of those important keys that often get looked over because you have so much going on that you don't think about that. So uh, going back to maybe what I asked earlier, what is your ideal client or customer when it comes to, are you approaching high schools, middle schools, personal gyms? What are you doing there? So my ideal market um, are high schools. 
Um, and then with that, I have kind of add on packages where if you want to add on middle school programming or if a district wants to purchase, you know, for their middle schools, absolutely, because that's something I do in my primary job is I'm, I uh, also manage two feeder middle schools. So I think it's not too young to start working on these things, um, but that's kind of my ideal client. Um, and then also there's some open mindedness that comes into it of, you know, I want a client that is going to, I've actually had a client in the past that they, you know, pay the fee, I write the programs, and then they just toss it by the wayside. And it's like, you know, yes, I still made my money off of that. But that's not what the mission is. The mission is to better those athletes. And then in turn, you know, then give a word of mouth to someone else, because then I can get my, and it's really not so much about like, yes, it's a business, it's it's about financial gain, but at the end of the day, it's also about paying it forward in the profession and extending my reach um, to other coaches. So are you solely working with high schools or do you have any type of one-on-one -on -one coaching training that you do? Um, I'm solely working with high schools right now. I'm actually about to pick up uh, more than likely a BMX team, mm -hmm. which is going to be um, really interesting because it's something that I've never worked with. But again, when we look at that 90-10 philosophy, um, it's not something that's going to be outside of my scope of practice. Um, as far as like one-to-one, -one, if I'm like mentoring any coaches or anything like that, um, I think I have coaches that I like you know, mentor just with basic conversations, but I'm not to the point where I'm saying you get one hour of my time for, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever consulting fee. Yeah. I interviewed, um, the very first episode of this year, I interviewed a, a pro a motorsports athlete, Nate Hamilton. He's a drifter. And, you know, you think about just car racing and things like that, but you don't think about the workouts that go into that. So you being able to venture out into other sports besides what I would call the typical high school sports, right? I think is, is a good approach. Is there something different? How would you approach that from a workout regimen? Obviously it's going to depend on the industry that you're going to, but let's just take the BMX industry. I mean, how are you going to approach that differently than you would a volleyball or a football workout regimen? Um, are you meaning actual like specific programming stuff or just the whole process? Just, of it? just the whole process, like the, the outside looking in overview. What does that look like that may be different than what you would be working with in high school? Um, from a starting point, it really, it's going to be showing up to a practice um, and kind of seeing what they do and talking to the coach. And, um, you know, like I've already kind of been, you know, brainstorming ideas of like what I think is important for an athlete um, but they're going to have some really specific things that they've seen. And so I want to definitely like incorporate their expertise in it. Um, and then with that, instead of it being a traditional setting where it's high school kids and the coach has them all at one time, this is going to be, it's like a team of 18. Their age ranges are 12 to 38 or something like that. And so I'm also going to have to produce a multi-level program, which I kind of do anyway with the high school stuff, because you may have 10 different levels in the same room, but I'm also going to have to produce like for, um, you know, people that have no equipment at home or people that maybe have dumbbells at home or access to a full gym. So there's going to have to be um, some differences versus going in and seeing one set of equipment um, and knowing exactly how to program for that. There's going to be a few more unknowns in the situation. You mentioned a couple of times about relationships within coaches. And I talk to talk a lot about on this podcast, like foundational pieces and, and relationships are kind of key to 
not necessarily doesn't make or break a successful business, but it definitely helps if you have relationships in the right place. So what is the importance of having a strong relationship with the coaches? Uh, What are you trying to gain from that relationship? What are you trying to really understand their thought process when you're going into these potential clients? Um, So like I touched on earlier, there's a lot of misconceptions um, with strength and conditioning. And so in many cases, I'm asking them to, and, and yes, they're coming to me and they're saying, we want this programming, but some of the things that I may be including might be so far off the map from what they're used to doing that the first piece of the relationship is having trust in me that not only do I know what I'm doing, but I also have their best interest at heart because coaches are in it for kids. Um, but they also have the pressure of their job is on the line wins and losses. So I want to build that relationship to make them understand that, you know, I'm not just throwing a program your way. I'm also investing in your program and I want to see them be successful. So, you know, like I've, I had two teams that I was training that they were actually in the same district. And so I showed up to watch them play head to head, you know, and after the game, like I go over and, you know, congratulate one set and commiserate with the other set of coaches, you know, just to show face and show that I value them and, um, also just staying in contact with them through social media and then also touching base if they've had a big game, big win. Um, because again, this is an investment in people. Um, my, I'm not selling a, a, a physical product. I'm selling kind of an idea. Um, and so I think it's that much more important that they understand that, you know, I want that to be beneficial for them. Hey, I wanted to jump in real quick. I hope you're getting a lot out of this interview. I hope you're really enjoying it. I wanted to take a quick second and read off a review that either a previous guest has left for the podcast or a previous listener has left for the podcast. Now, if you've never left a review for a podcast, I would be extremely grateful if you would just take a couple seconds and just go through that process of leaving a review because it kind of lets me know how I'm doing as a host, but it also lets the future listeners know what they can expect from the podcast. Now, when I talk about the process, it's actually pretty simple. So let me walk you through it real quick. On Apple Podcast, if you open the app and you scroll to the already subscribed Empowering Business DFW podcast and you scroll to the bottom where it says ratings and review, just under the review, you will see write a review. You click on that, input your review, and hit send. After that, it's finished. This five-star rating comes from Gym Training LLC. Love how Stephen leads the podcast. Great questions, then allows the guests to answer. Love it. Well, thank you, Gym Training LLC. Now let's get back to the episode. Aside from that, are there any other services that you offer with Safe Iron? Um, So there's the, I guess, uh, consulting is what this is. So I'm going in and writing a custom training program. Um, I also would offer like coaching clinics. So if you want to book me to come in and, and, you know, give an eight hour clinic on my methodology, um, but not necessarily get programming that way, it's kind of more of a teach Amanda fish kind of situation. Um, And then I also do a lot of speaking engagements, not uh, speaking engagements within clinics versus hosting my own clinic. So what are, what are some ways that, that people may be able to, to reach out? If you have any 
for the listeners, if there's anyone out there that wants to get a hold of Missy for something like this, for one, I'm going to leave her her information in the show notes, but tell us some ways that listeners can get a hold of you that way if they do have any questions. Okay, you can um, actually book through my website, safeirontraining.com. Um, I also, you can reach me through email, safeirontraining at gmail.com. Um, my Twitter handle uh, is at Miss, the letter E, one, one. No, that's not it. I'm just going to grab my phone really quickly because I always struggle. I should just, you know, maybe train it to change it to safe iron training because then it would be easy, but that's not any fun. Let's make it as cryptic as possible. Well, so there's during lesson one. Don't do that. I was watching a, uh, on LinkedIn, they have a bunch of like training videos that you can watch. And the one thing I was watching one yesterday. And then one thing that they talked about was like, you have to pick a username not necessarily for the present, but for the future, because, and I'm thinking about an email that I created, gosh, 12, 15 years ago that I still use today as my junk email, but has zero reference to what my life is like now. Right. Right. And that's actually where this came from is my email address, Missy Mitchell at yahoo.com was taken. So I did Missy Mitchell, but ones instead of the L's. And I thought that that was just brilliant. That was my Jersey number, like super cool. Right. <laughs> explaining that to people over and over and over again has been exhausting for the last 20 years. Have I changed it? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so as a matter of fact, that is my Twitter handle is at miss the letter E Mitchell with ones instead of L's. So that might be something you just pop up on the screen for the that, users. That is not confusing at all. <laughs> not, not whatsoever. Yeah. I, I really want to talk about you as the entrepreneur, right? Because you know you're, you're a full-time strength and conditioning coach, but I'm a firm believer in, in side hustles. I feel like I've always had one. You know what has been, I guess, starting off. What has been the struggle of trying to balance dealing with your full-time job, so many athletes, making sure they're all taken care of, but also trying to to build something on the side? Because I think a lot of people that are listening to this podcast all had the idea that they want to do something for themselves, right? So what was that like? What was that process like? Um, number one, the biggest thing is just, it's the start that stops most people. You know, I've always kind of had this idea, but actually sitting down and, you know, I'm not a big risk taker and as, as simple as it is to just sit down and take the amount of time to kind of scratch out a business plan and then start figuring out what it might look like to, you know, establish an LLC and build a website and all that kind of stuff even just the time commitment of that with the unknown of, is this going to work? Am I going to waste all this time? Um, and so that's kind of been, you know, and then you are working full time. It's not like I, I didn't just drop my job, you know, and take the deep dive, which probably I would be a lot farther along if I had, because I'd be hungrier, you know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, like I get home from work at night and I'm exhausted. And the last thing that I want to think about, no matter how much I love it, last thing I want to think about is strength and conditioning. Last thing I want to do is talk to more coaches um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of been trying to find the, uh, the right time to do things. It's always hard. And I can think of several guests that I've had on this podcast talk about the same thing. You work your, your typical, what I would, I wouldn't even call it an eight to five, right? Because strength and conditioning is different time frames. But if you think just in general, you work an eight to five and then you go home and try to side hustle from seven to 11 or seven to two in the morning, it, it just over time will drain you. So how mentally did you 
did you stay focused throughout the time of working full time and then now starting up this safe iron? What was your mental focus there? Um, I actually had the summer mostly off. So I did the bulk of the grunt work at that point. Hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I, and I'm very fortunate in that, you know, when it came to putting together like my business materials, I have a really good friend that's an editor. And, you know, like I don't, I've been in a school system my entire life. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I don't know what marketing materials need to look like. I don't know, you know, what would a good logo would be, but I used a former athlete to do my logo and I did a four trade agreement with her for, you know, um, I wrote programs for her and she did a logo for me, but um, I just allocated a huge block of time in the summer to do a lot of that stuff, get my business plan in place, build the website. Um, and so now it's really just me needing to market you know, do the speaking engagements, get my name out there, grow my brand so that other people, you know, want to take advantage of the programming aspect of it. Yeah. A lot of what you just said kind of goes back to relationships, right? You relied on a lot of your relationships throughout your career to kind of help build uh, this little side business. So I think that's why I talk about it so much, because I think no matter who you know, at some point you may lean on them or they may lean on you. And I always try to hammer that idea home that a lot of people maybe uh, aren't comfortable with reaching out to new people or trying to join, you know, Facebook groups and things like that to kind of build those relationships. But I think it all goes back to, it's a huge foundational piece, kind of like what strength conditioning is to the athletic world, right? Absolutely. If I were in the process of starting a business, what advice would you have for somebody who has zero money? Because a lot of times to get funding and things like that, you have to have some type of documentation showing what your plan is, right? Any advice for someone who is interested in starting a business, but really has nowhere to go when it comes to information about uh, the process of funding? Oh gosh. Um, that's kind of because I don't really need capital necessarily because I'm not, I don't need to create a prototype or I don't need to rent an office space um, because again, mine is just like basically my brain writing these programs. Um, so kind of what I did was actually before I started the business, I fell into um, a consulting gig and that's, that was my startup money. So that paid for my LLC registration. So, you know, just set aside some money of your own from your primary hustle if you're able to. Um, and then use that to, you know, have your, your lower, I guess your lower startup costs. Um, and then like we just talked about, use your available resources. Obviously you don't want to abuse those. Like I'm not going to hand a novel to my friend that's an editor and say, hey, can you do this for free? Um, but I am going to say, hey, like I can help you with your knee health if you will in turn you know, look over this document for me or, Hey, former athlete, like, what would you charge? And a lot of times people, if you just approach them from the standpoint of what would you charge to do something? A lot of times they'll be like, Oh, for you, I'll do it for free. Or here's my friends and family rate. Um, so again, use your, use your network, your, use your available resources. Um, because I think not that, again, not that you're wanting to abuse them or get something that, you know, you're not entitled to. Um, but a lot of people are willing to help you out because most of those people are, business owners themselves. And so they understand what it's like to get started. Yeah. Everybody has experienced COVID, uh, whether it's, it's been for the better or for the worse. And we talked about this prior to recording, like there's some good things that come out of COVID, but what has been some struggles that you had kind of starting 
safe iron uh, because of COVID? Um, I started it right before, um, I guess I actually established it as an LLC the semester before COVID hit. Um, and so I had just picked up a new client and it's like, you know, I'd done their initial programming and from there it's just follow-up programming. Well, I felt like because they hadn't had the opportunity, they got two weeks into that first program and then it shut down. And so they had four weeks left. Well, they can't do the program because they're not all there together. So I felt the right thing to do was to write them an at-home program and not charge them for that because they'd already paid. And so then it comes to follow-up programming and I'm like, I mean, they're not going to pay me for follow-up programming that they're not going to be able to use. And then with this semester being the same deal as some schools were online, some schools were in person. Um, And so it's just been very, everyone, even my own athletes training process has been really, really spotty. It's hard to get any consistency. I was talking with a friend and basically we were like, you know, I'm just going to have this generic program. And then we're going to wash, rinse, and repeat every time this group of kids gets quarantined. Um, And then beyond that, other struggles COVID-related, our school budgets are, they're not necessarily slashed at this point, but they're frozen because people are in a panic. So it's like, even within our own school district, there's something that we have money allocated for that they're not letting us purchase right now because they don't know what the future holds. Um, And then the final piece of that is, you know, we talked about the balancing the full-time hustle and the side hustle. There's just been one extra step of everything um, with COVID. And so it's been, um, I'm not going to say that I had a bad semester and I really didn't have struggles during COVID because I did have a full-time job that was stable. Um, So I, I really did have a good year last year, but it's just that one little added step um, of everything at work is just exhausting. And then, you know, everybody, so not everybody did have a good year. And so a lot of people are very scatterbrained and there's a lot of mental health issues and stuff going on. And so you're having to extend a lot more grace in your primary job um, than you ordinarily would. So just being more tired and more spread thin in general. And then on top of it, trying to almost overhaul a business plan because business plan A is not gonna work right now because there's no money available. So we've gotta have business plan B um, in the works to kind of keep the name out there and keep it rolling. Yeah, I I was talking with a potential guest yesterday on the phone and uh, we were talking that most entrepreneurs, she was asking me, what are are we gauging from with COVID and entrepreneurship? And, And you hear a lot of everyone having to, and I don't like using this word anymore, but pivot, right? And, and then she was like, everybody, if you're an entrepreneur, you're constantly thinking of different ways to do things. So a, a business having to shift to something else, and a lot of them shifted to the digital world, right? I mean, if you weren't familiar with digital marketing or digital anything, you are now because the, thank you, COVID, right? Right. You mentioned this earlier about at home, people still working at home, people are still working at the office specifically, but they don't go anywhere. Like me, for example, I'm salesman, right? But I'm sitting here at the office all day long. People aren't excited to come for having to come in and and see them, right? But what are some things that someone, if they're sitting at their desk all day long, just a couple quick exercises they may do a couple times a day, just to kind of keep their body moving and kind of help them mentally stay focused and, and motivated? Um, The number one thing with exercise, even with athletes that I think is just very, very underrated is walking. 
And it might just be, if you're working at home, it might just be getting up and taking a couple laps around your house and walking for two or three minutes just to help get blood flowing, clear your mind, and also to not just be sitting there. I know for myself, um, you know, like today I was in professional development, so I'm on Zoom calls, my back starts hurting. And so I just need to get vertical um, and start moving around. Other things that are great um, for the sedentary office worker are, I'll use yoga terminology just because it's really easy for people to access that information online, um, but a lizard stretch to stretch out their hip flexors um, because when we sit in that, it, when we're in a seated position, basically your core and glutes shut off and your hip flexors tighten up. So we wanna go ahead and open those back up. And then also a pigeon stretch, um, again, just stretching the hips um, because they do get so tight from a seated position. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll, like I said, for the listeners, those um, I will put in the show notes that way if you are listening and, and struggling with, because I know for me, sometimes I'm sitting at my desk and I realize like I haven't been up in like four hours, you know, and you just kind of get so deep in, in work that you forget that even something simple as walking around the building or the hallway or the living room or whatever it is can help you in the long run. Because at the end of the day, you're like, I wore, I'm wore out and all I did was sit there. Yep. <laughs> Another question I really like to ask um, all of my guests because there are different opinions on this, right? So success, like the definition of success means something totally different to everybody. So how would you, Missy, define success? Um, are you asking like within Safe Iron how I would define that? Just, just in general, like what do you, you know, if I ask you, are you successful? What is successful to you? I think being successful is being able to live the life that you want. Um, whether it's finances, whether it's time with family, um, to me, and that's really the ultimate goal for me is, you know, I don't, it'd be great if this turned into a multi-million dollar business, but for me, it's more about success is more about quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of what we hear about just living life as you want to a quality of life. So do you have a favorite book or something you like to, to read? Let's just go with two different books, maybe one more towards athletics, strength and conditioning, and then one more towards business? Um, I'll do the business one first. I'm currently reading a classic. Um, I'm reading How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yep. Um, I was, yeah, like my dad always talked about taking a Carnegie course growing up and it being life-changing and um, just it has very outdated references, but um, I'm already finding like a lot of use in the, in the tactics because I tend to be very blunt um, and very direct in my communication. And that is not always um, the way to go in today's business place. Um, and then from a strength conditioning standpoint, the book that I just recommend for everybody to read is called the Strength Coaches Training Playbook. Um, and it's written by Joe Ken, who has been a strength coach with the NFL collegiate settings. Um, I think he's now actually with an equipment company, but it's just basics and simple program design. Cool. One final thing as we wrap up, I always like to give you the opportunity to shout out anybody, you know, as, as part of your foundational piece, anyone that you want to thank um, throughout your career that's kind of helped you get to where you are now. Yeah, um, I'll do two shout outs. Number one is to my mentor who I shout out every time I can. His name's Reb Brock. Um, he actually owns a company called buildchampions.com, which is kind of, uh, his is more geared towards face-to-face -to -face training, one-on-one -on -one training, uh, like with NFL prep stuff. But he was, when I was a sport coach, he took me under his wing and taught me everything you knew about strength and conditioning. And that kind of started my path. 
Um, and then the other one that I'll give a shout out to is Peter Noonan, our mutual contact. Yep. Um, Peter and I kind of, I guess, just got connected through social media. Um, but he's just the kind of guy that just has been over backwards to help me and give me opportunities and just been a great friend. You know, we've actually never met is the crazy thing, um, but we chat all the time and, you know, it just speaks to what we've been talking about, the importance of relationships and the fact that you can still develop them even in the digital age. Yeah. Well, he and I were, were on a call, just, we like just got on the call and just started talking about mutual podcast things. And uh, he, he highly recommended you, said a lot of really good things about you as well. So um, I'm glad that he introduced us so that we could do this podcast. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for, for coming on. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Great. Thanks again for having me. Well, that wraps up this episode of the podcast. And thank you for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you get notified when a new episode releases every week. And if you are a visual person, feel free to check out the YouTube channel. Do you want to be a guest on the show? If you do, send me an email to empoweringbusinessdfw at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Stay well and God bless.